text for the sermon this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, returning to it after being away from our series on marriage for a couple weeks, and here we find specifically Paul's and God's instruction to husbands to love their wives. Let's hear God's word as we find find it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, He be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In our last sermon on marriage, we looked at Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 24. And we saw the wife's responsibility and role in the marriage. We saw that the wife is called to submit to her husband, even as a church herself submits to the authority and leadership of her head, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this week, we turn to consider the husband's responsibilities in the marriage relationship. And we see from our text, the husband is called to love his wife. Some might immediately object and say, this isn't fair. How can the husband be called simply to love his wife? But the wife must submit to her husband. Don't husbands have it easy? I certainly don't want to undermine the the difficulty that submission can be. I would actually argue that husbands have the greater and heavier responsibility here. They're not called to simply be leaders in the marriage relationship. They are to exercise that leadership with love. There are many men who might be competent and able leaders, That's not what God is necessarily calling for, just what God's calling for in this text. What God's calling for in this text is something that can only be accomplished by the grace of God and a personal understanding of the gospel. There are many men who are leaders, but they are tyrants who have no care or love for those under them. They rule with an iron and tyrannical fist. But God calls men here to loving and sacrificial leadership. 
And it's here that we see the supreme wisdom of Scripture. See, scripture and the Lord doesn't simply call wives to submit to their husbands, but he also calls husbands to lead with love. The great temptation that there are with those in leadership would be to abuse that privilege and responsibility, to use their position of authority and power to, to have all their desires satisfied and, and to make those under them their servant. The Lord tempers that abuse, that temptation, by calling men to loving leadership. And it's here that the world often so quickly mischaracterizes the biblical understanding of marriage. The world says that the biblical understanding of marriage quickly leads to all sorts of problems for women. It's a problem for women to submit and for men to exercise leadership. And so it throws out this doctrine. But notice that Scripture does not simply say that women are to submit and men are to leave. Instead, Scripture is very clear in saying that women are to submit and men are to lead with love. Men are to have a loving leadership. And this loving leadership is to reflect a, a great mystery. It is to reflect the, the wonder of two becoming one. It is to reflect the, the relationship that Christ has with his church and the union Christ has with his bride. The love that husbands are to cultivate and to grow is to be a wonderful demonstration of the love that Christ has for sinners and saving them from their sins. And so this love that Paul talks about is a love that can only be learned by knowing personally love of Christ. And so let's consider this great love this morning by examining the calling of husbands to love their wives. And the first way we'll see uh, this calling to love is by looking at the sacrificial love that husbands are to have for their wives. Just as Christ sacrificed himself for his bride, so husbands are to show love to their wives by having a sacrificial service for them. Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for the church. I hope we understand the weight of those words. Jesus Christ gave himself for his church. Sometimes we can trivialize the idea of sacrifice. We jokingly express that missing our morning coffee or having an Amazon package arrive a day late is, is such a great sacrifice. But when Christ sacrificed himself for the church, it was a literal sacrifice. Christ loved his church so much that he gave his 
very life for her. He died for her. He willingly laid down his life upon the altar of the cross. Two beams of wood placed perpendicularly. And his flesh pounded into that wooden altar with nails. Not only that, but suffering the torments of eternities of hell and the cross for the sins of his people. This is the declaration of Christ's love for his bride. That he would not just die, but willingly suffer torture and punishment for her life. He stepped in her place so that she would not have to suffer. As we consider the calling of husbands to love their wives, I want to ask you men, do you know this love of Christ? I'm not asking here, do you show this love? I'm asking, do you know this love of Christ personally? Do you believe that Christ loved you to such a degree that regardless of your sins, regardless of your failings, he laid down his life for you? Jesus died, the righteous for the unrighteous, the godly for the godless. Yet he died as an expression of his unconditional love. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's this love that exhilarates Paul. Paul's passion for the gospel clearly comes out in our text, for it is as though he cannot restrain himself from speaking of all the things that Christ has done. Remember this, the, the trajectory of Ephesians. The first portion of, of Ephesians was really emphasizing doctrine. Paul is, is talking about the, some of the great doctrines of the Christian faith. And here in these latter chapters, he is looking at very practical things. And in talking about these very practical things, such as the marriage relationship, Paul, Paul could have just devoted himself to practicalities. He could have just said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Period. Done. And move on to the responsibilities and duties of children. But he doesn't do that. He, he has such a passion for the gospel that he cannot restrain himself about talking about what's actually happening with this gospel. Paul goes further and expounds on all the things that Christ did for the church in giving himself for her. And while Paul's discussion here, his enumeration of everything that Christ did for the church, might not seem relevant to our discussion of marriage, it very much is. You see, Christ gave himself for his bride so that she would become a clean and pure and, and glorious bride. She wasn't always that way. In fact, she was a detestable bride before that. We read earlier in, from Ezekiel 16. And in Ezekiel 16, we saw the true picture of this bride of her sinfulness, of her forsaking and rejecting the blessedness of her position, 
of her willful pursuit of of sin and debauchery, of her willful pursuit of depravity. Yet this is the ugly and sinful church that Christ died for. It is a church that spurns his love. It is a church that is disobedient. It is a church that continues in sin. It is a church that is richly blessed and has received precious promises. It spits in the face of that blessedness. It is a church that is like an adulterous wife who goes after other men. Yet what do we find out about her husband? But her husband keeps pursuing her. He even lays down his life for her. This is sacrificial love. This is a love that Christ has for those of you who believe on his name. This is the sacrificial love that Christ calls husbands to have for their wives. Some of you men might think you have a difficult wife. But you have a wife that is incredibly hard to love. Let me remind you that you yourself, in the eyes of God, were wrinkled, spotted, and a blemished mess. You, in your sin, were like a filthy piece of clothing covered in dirt and grease stains, worthy only for the trash. Paul uses the language of clothing here in our text. Yet Christ died so that he might remove that mess that you were. And Christ loved you and died for you such that you are now like a piece of clothing that comes back from the dry cleaners. No wrinkles, no stains, but perfectly cleansed. And it's understanding the sacrificial love that Christ had for you that should now drive you to go and sacrificially love your wife, seeing what an amazing thing God has done for you that I wanted to now go and show that same love the one the Lord has joined me to. It's often a very easy thing to love somebody who meets and satisfies all our desires. It's easy to, to love somebody who, who does everything you might want. Care for your every need. They are always there when you want them to be. Men, you would think it an easy thing indeed to love your wife if, if maybe when you got up in the morning there was a hearty breakfast waiting for you. And uh, when you left for work, you had a kind, encouraging word uh, encouraging you in, as you're heading out the door. And when you got home, the house was orderly. The, the children well behaved and your favorite dinner there on the table. And after dinner and the kids are in bed, you had a nice romantic evening together with your wife. Then you, many of you would say, oh, I, I would love. It would be so easy for me to love a wife like that. That would, that would be, uh, uh, that's something I could do. Let me submit to you that such love is often a selfish love. You're loving because you're having your desires met. Yet Christ calls you here to a sacrificial love. And in showing this love 
to your wife, Christ is causing you to understand more of his love for you. It's very easy to love someone who satisfies your desires. It's another thing entirely to love someone who calls you to sacrifice. Yet this is a love Christians are to have. Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 5, 46 through 47, when he says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Anybody can love somebody who loves them back. But it's Christian love. It's Christ-like love. Love someone who is unlovable. Someone who is difficult to love. Men, as you do the hard work of laying down your life for your wife, you have the awesome privilege of experience a small taste of the love that Christ has had for you in laying down his life for your sins. Many men uh, look up to those who lay down their lives in combat for their comrades. Many consider that the highest honor, uh, the highest form of honor, and and such men are are regularly uh, esteemed. Uh, one, one such man is uh, Sergeant Major John Osborne of the Winnipeg Grenadiers. During the early days of World War II, Osborne was stationed in Hong Kong. And it was being heavily attacked by the Japanese army. And at some point in the battle for Hong Kong, a, a grenade was thrown at John Osborne and his men. And John Osborne jumped upon that grenade and let it take his life rather than the life of his friends. He would later posthumously receive the Victoria Cross for his bravery. Look at that and say, that's an honorable man. He gave his life, he sacrificed himself for his friends. And men, I want to encourage you to live with honor by sacrificing yourself for your wives and so taste of the love that Christ has for you. And this will often mean that you have to learn to deny your desires. It will mean that you have to deny yourself various things. Maybe it will mean denying yourself the luxury of coming home after a long day of work, putting up your feet and turning the TV on. Mean that maybe you have to, after you come home from work, help your wife take care of the children and, and do various responsibilities in the home. It mean you have to work hard to help your wife when she is busy with her responsibilities or sick or pregnant or caring for the children. It'll mean at times you have to deny and control your sexual desires. It'll mean that you have to sacrifice time pursuing your own interests. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's video games, and spend time with your wife. It's mean you're going to have to sacrifice time to pray for her. It'll mean you have to sacrifice time to get to know her well. 
asking her questions, getting ever to know her personality, going on dates with her. If marriage is to be a picture of Christ's relationship with the church, husbands must deny themselves and love their wives. Love is to be sacrificial, but it's also to be nourishing and cherishing. Paul writes in verses 28 and 29, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Love that a husband is to have for his wife is to be the same sort of love that he has for himself. This is a natural love. There's something horribly wrong with somebody who hates his own body. It's just as wrong to hate your body and abuse it and mutilate it as it is to hate your wife. For you are of one flesh with her. Said, just as you naturally nourish and, and care for yourself, so you must naturally nourish and care for your wife. Now, for a husband to nourish and cherish his wife, he must strive to think well of her. He must cultivate a, a good opinion of her. And this is something that's very much contrary to contemporary culture. Contemporary culture actively encourages men to have a very negative view of their wives. TV shows paint wives as nagging women who oppress their husbands. She is referred to as their ball and chain, who's always spending their money, and never allowing them to do what they want, and never saying a kind word to them. Husbands, you must actively guard against the bad opinions society encourages you to have of your wife. And you must especially guard against being discontent with her. How many men fall into adulterous thinking by becoming discontent with their wives? They compare their wives to the impossibly high beauty standard of Hollywood actresses and the lies of insatiable sexual desire shown in pornography. Rather than being thankful that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, they despise the wife of their youth, always longing for someone better, always asking themselves, well, maybe I didn't marry the right woman. Maybe I should have gone and, and married somebody else. They wish they were married to someone who understands them or who would do a better job of satisfying their desires. But such thinking is a lie. It's a lie that encourages nothing but bitterness. It's a lie that is fruitful to even consider because God has given you the wife that you do have. Thus, man, you, you must strive to develop a high esteem of the wife you have. Do not speak ill of her to others, but instead express thankfulness for, for what she does. Heed Solomon's counsel to rejoice in the wife of your youth. Remember that your wife is your equal. She is an heir together with you of the grace of life. She is not your servant, but she is your helper comparable to you, given by God to help you fulfill your calling in this world. She is not created that you might trample upon her with your feet, but 
She was created to be by your side. And God has providentially placed her by your side. No matter who your wife is, she is the best person for you. No matter her failings or her sins, she is the one God chose to be beside you in this life. She is a gift that God has given you. Now you can certainly despise that gift all your life and never be satisfied. Or you can trust in God's wisdom. He has given you this wife for a specific purpose and be thankful to him for that. Just as God has given you your particular body for your own good, so he has given you your wife for your own good. And you are to love her. You're not to love another. As Paul says in verse 33, making it very clear, let each one of you in particular, each one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself. When a husband has a high esteem for his wife, he will produce a great affection and love for her. His wife will be his joy and delight. He will greatly and rightly desire her. And it will stir in him a desire to nourish and cherish her. Now a husband must nourish his wife spiritually. Paul remarks that Christ died for his church that he might sanctify and cleanse her. As part of a husband's sacrificial leadership of his wife, he also has a spiritual leadership of her in which he is to labor for her own spiritual good. This means he must encourage her in godliness and holiness. He will pray with and for her. He will read God's word to her and ensure that she has time to do her personal devotions. And such spiritual nourishment must be a a true feeding of your wife. Sometimes we can get up in our heads and and think, well, what my wife actually needs is me to give a theological lecture of a subject that I'm interested in or a subject that's going on on the Internet that I've I've studied a lot and lecture our wife for 30 minutes on this particular subject. But that's likely not what your wife needs. Your wife needs the gospel. She needs Jesus Christ. She, like you, needs to be reminded to look to her Savior. And yes, sometimes it might be necessary to, to speak of those finer points of theology. But feed your wife food that is convenient for her. Encourage her. Pray for her. And as you pray for her, praise the Lord for the good gift that she is. Point out to her how you see the Lord working in her life and stir her up to godliness. Be a gentle shepherd with her. The wife may not agree with all, everything that you believe. She might have different theological convictions than you have. But be patient with her in that. Win her over, not by the superiority of your arguments, but by your selfless love for her. Consider how gentle and patient the Lord has been with you. 
in your understandings of Scripture, how he bore with you for many years. Show that same patience with your wife. Well, not only must husbands spiritually nourish their wives, but they must also physically nourish them. And often the the greatest way that this calling can be fulfilled is is by spending time with your wife. Your Your wife desires your physical presence. She desires to spend time with you. And as we can too often busy ourselves with our own interests, busy ourselves with our work, busy ourselves with our own hobbies, or, or just staring at our phone screens. We must physically cherish our wife, spending time with her, doing things with her. Physically cherishing your wife is a very practical thing. Cherish essentially has the idea of keeping someone warm. That's most def- basic definition. It could, could be something as simple as a hug, but cherish can yield a whole pile of different practical applications. Husbands, as a leader in the house, have a calling to be the main financial provider in the house. They're the ones who are primarily called to go out into the world and subdue it, working by the uh, sweat of their brow. While some providential circumstances may certainly not make this the uh, Possible, yet this is to be the normal course of affairs. Husbands, are you laboring diligently to provide for your families? Are you striving to ensure that there is enough money to provide for food, shelter, and clothing? Are you helping your wife in her calling to be focused on the home by ensuring that she has the resources to provide and care for the home? So doing, you are reflecting the love of Christ, who not only supplies every spiritual blessing for his church, but he also supplies our daily bread. And finally, husbands must be gentle with their wives. After all, they're called specifically to love their wives. Husbands love your wives. And this word for love is likely a word you, you are maybe somewhat familiar with. It is the word agape. It's the same word that Paul so richly defines in 1 Corinthians 13. There we are told that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. This is a love that husbands are to have for their wives. And it's a love that exudes a quiet but masculine strength. It is love that is moral and pure. It is a love that is honorable. Sometimes you encounter the notion that real men are a, a, a very rough sort of individual. They are the, the rugged individualists. They don't care about feelings and certainly never show any emotion. Gentleness is considered to be Feminine, and yet the Lord, yeah, sorry, yet the love that Christ has for his church is a gentle love. It's a love that will not break a bruised reed or quench smoking flax. Children, reeds are, are those plants that you see grow around rivers or, or lakes. 
In the summer, they will be all green, and they'll be very hard and, and, and uh, very difficult to break. But when they dry, they turn brown, and they become very, very fragile. You can just very easier than snapping a dry stick. You can snap a, 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 a dry reed, and you push it in, uh, pinch it with your fingers and immediately bruise it. In Jesus' time, reeds were used for all sorts of things, and, and there, were, there were certainly plenty of them. And a bruised reed would be uh, essentially considered garbage. And yet we're told in Scripture that Christ will not break a bruised reed. Christ has such a love that even those who are considered useless and garbage, he loves Christ's love is a gentle love that is careful with those who are fragile and weak. And this gentle love is the exact opposite of the false masculinity so often painted in this, this rough idea of who, who the real man is. This gentle love is true biblical love, for it is the love that Jesus had for souls is a love that caused Jesus to weep with tears and sorrow when his friend Lazarus died. It is a love that caused Christ to have the little children to come to him that he might teach them and bless them and pray for them. It is a love with which Christ called you out of darkness and brought you into his warm embrace. And yet Christ was by no means a weak or effeminate man in doing this. Christ was a man of strength. Recall that he had labored for probably some 15 years prior to his public ministry as a carpenter. He had the power and strength able to drive out the money changers out of the temple. This was a man of gentle and yet quiet strength, a strength that could be called up when needed. Yet he had the gentleness with which to comfort the oppressed and to lift up the weak. Husbands, you must have that same strong yet gentle love for your wives. Verse Peter 3, 7 puts it this way. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Gently love your wife. You must seek to understand her perspective. You must seek to put yourself in her shoes. You must understand her weakness and show her compassion in that. There will likely be many things you don't ever understand about your wife, but you must strive to understand and have a disposition of gentleness. You must do this for your own spiritual good. Not simply being gentle with her, but loving her for your own spiritual good. There is a dangerous consequence to not loving your wife as Christ has loved the church. And that consequence is that your prayers would be hindered. Perhaps some of you have been praying that your wife would be more submissive and you have wondered why God hasn't answered your prayers Perhaps he has refused to answer your prayers because you have not lived your, with your wife in an understanding way. Perhaps you are still needing to learn 
the lessons that God has for you in giving you the wife he did. Perhaps you are still needing to grow in some important ways in sanctification. Perhaps you need to know the great love with which Christ loved you. So, brothers, love and dwell with your wives in understanding that your prayers may not be hindered. In conclusion, husbands, you have been called to a very difficult and hard task. You have been called to take up your cross and die to self by sacrificially loving your wife, nourishing and cherishing her, and gently loving her. This is something that you can only accomplish by grace and keeping your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and the great love that he has had for you. Day by day, you, as you seek to love your wife, need to remind yourself that Christ has loved me, that Christ has loved you. Remember the words of 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. If you want to learn to love your wife better, sit at the school of Christ's love. Consider the depth of his sacrifice for you. Wonder and delight and weep and rejoice in his love for you. Do this and love your wives as Christ loved you. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you in awe, O Lord, at your Son's sacrificial love for us, that he gave up himself, that he might purchase us as his people. Lord, we thank you for your love. And Lord, we pray that it would ever um, humble us and ever stir us up to love others. And especially we as husbands, Lord, we pray that as we meditate upon the gospel, as we meditate upon Christ's love for us, we might learn how we are to love our wives. Lord, we thank you for our wives. We thank you for the blessing that they are to us. We thank you for the good gift that they are. And Lord, we pray that we would love them even as you have loved your church. For we pray in Jesus' name.